Good morning. Let me start with a gigantic thank you for all your prayers. Ryan said you're welcome. I think you weren't the only one praying, but okay. Um, as I've said for the last year, I'm walking, but I'm not running, and I'm okay with that. Do me a favor, find the book of Job. You're like, oh, here we go. This dude's in the book of Job, so this is going to be like heavy. Yeah, probably, but it'll end good. It'll end good. Um, if you don't know where the book of Job is, that's okay. Find Psalms and go back one. You found the book of Job. Um, and if you don't have your phone, your device, your Bible, whatever, this, the verses will be on the screen behind me. Um, I, I usually like to tell where messages come from with me. Um, so it was a couple of weeks ago, it was 92, you remember that? 92 degrees, hated it. I'm not a hot weather guy because uh, I wear jackets every day of my life. So this makes me even more hot. And yeah, might be why I fall out all the time. Maybe we're onto something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it was 92 and then it turned a corner and it was 40 something at night. Um literally seemed like cold weather came overnight. I even told my beautiful wife, Miss Kim, I said, hey, winter's coming, you know. I'm thinking about all the things I need to do, right? I need to get my, my we heat with fuel oil. I need to get that feel, filled. I need to get all that done. Um, otherwise, we just freeze. I told her, I said, I can't wait till October 1st because I can put on my insulated underwear. Too much information, Dwayne? Maybe a little bit. Because uh, my, my daddy taught me, you wear your insulates from October to March. Of course, he worked outside. I do not. I don't work at all, quite frankly, but. But when you think of winter, you think of the most negative of things, usually. You think of ice, you think of snow, you think of shoveling your driveway, you think of salt, you think of black ice, you think of dead batteries, you think of seasonal affective disorder. It's hard for us sometimes to find, and we don't even live, we don't even live in like where winter is like actually a thing. We have it for a couple of days, but we rarely f seem to find anything positive about this time of year, and um, I'm certainly not making this message about me by the farthest stretch. Please, please don't hear that, but I want you to know where this message came from, and it came from, I don't understand why I have to... Um, go through the physical things I'm going through right now with, with my health. 
Um, thankfully, everything's great. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. We finally got some answers, and everything's great, and we're going we're gonna to be just fine. Uh, Miss Kim is the greatest nurse in all the history of mankind. Um, but, but most people say we can't wait for spring. Many of us say we can't wait for fall. But I've been thinking this week about winter. And what God brought me to was spiritual winter. Can we think about that for a sec? I'm I'm not trying to bring you down. um, But many people move to different places in our country to avoid winter. Is that that fair? Um, I'm not because my grandkids are here uh, except for the ones that are in California, and I ain't moving there for the love of Mike. Um, But there's nowhere you can go to escape spiritual winter. It is what it is. Um, And again, I'm not not trying to bring you down, I promise, but spiritual winter is the season where warmth and joy seems out of reach, where the touch of God feels like it's not going to happen. In other words, we would ask ourselves, is anybody out there? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I by myself on this? Uh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Because I don't, I, you know, I don't, I, I want to, I'll, I'll change this message right now if, if you guys aren't on board with it. But, but things happen, yes? Things happen. Um, life happens. What I want to do today is try to talk about what happens when we actually hold on to God in those spiritual winter moments. What, 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 what's the outcome when it feels like he's let go of us? We know he hasn't, obviously. We, we know he hasn't. But it feels like it, yes? Yeah. Um, loss of job. Sadness. Shame. Incompetence. Bad report from the doctor. Um, I remember looking at my doctor this week, last Monday, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, wait, what? Uh, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I mean, I'm the, I'm the guy that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of, you know, and I ain't better than anyone else, but I'm the guy that didn't abuse my body, um, and here I am, Right? Failure as a parent, don't raise your hand. Tom, just kidding, just kidding. Death of a loved one. Have I brought you down low enough yet? You're like, move on, pastor, move on. Right? They bring a chill to our soul. Um, And you wonder sometimes how you're going to pull out of it. You wonder sometimes what, what's next, um, and you wonder, where are you at, God? Where are you at, God? Because, I mean, Ben, I'm, I'm full disclosure. I'm transparent as can be, and I'm telling you right now, me and God have had some wrestling matches. By the way, he wins every single time. Uh, but it's like, are you kidding me right now? We just can't seem to find God in our winter season. 
Psalm 88 says this, O Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep you on pleading day, I will keep on pleading day by day. Why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? We know God didn't do that. But that's how it feels. Can we be honest? I just want us to be honest. Are you in Job? See, the psalmist said in Psalm 88 that God seems to turn his face, and it's like, is anybody out there at all? Am I going through this alone? I know I got my spouse. I know I got my support system. I got my friends. I got my church. But what you, what you want to feel is God. And when you don't feel that God is listening, it can cause us to get super discouraged. I just want to validate that this morning. Um, when, you, when you go to him and, and you, you feel like it's a closed door, I want to validate that this morning. I, I, listen, it's part of our faith journey. It's part of what, what we have to go through. We, we know he's there. We know he's listening. But it feels like he's absent. Let's turn to the Bible for some advice. Um, uh, if, if there are winter books in the Bible, and what I mean by that is when God feels like, like, where are you? Like Ecclesiastes, uh, Lamentations, written by my favorite prophet, Jeremiah. I don't know if you're allowed to have a favorite prophet. He's my MVP. But uh, even, the, even the book of Psalms, if you read the entire book of Psalms, man, it is like... Bipolar on, yeah. Where are you at, God? What's going on? I worship you. <laughs> Anybody know what that feels like? Yeah, right on. Yeah, man, me too. Me too. Uh, it, it, it's, it's in the book of Job where I turned to, and I read the, in, the entire book of Job again, and it's like, this is where we see a guy that went through a spiritual winter that I can't even compare my life to. Yeah, so I don't want you to misunderstand that I think, you know, oh, I've got a Job moment. I ain't got no Job moment. No, I got a Jeff Burke moment. And it's pretty awesome, quite honestly, because I love my life. Uh, I got it made, and, and I don't even know it sometimes. But when you look at the book of Job, you see an example of a spiritual winter that this guy went through. Um, and um, I just want us to relate to it for a second. And I know we can't in terms of what happened to him. But I want us, this, this is going to be more of a Bible. So I don't have three points. I don't, I don't got a cool preacher story at the end to make you cry. I don't have any of that. What I have is this book where God is the hardest to find. That's all I have. But I want to bring some things out in it. God is pretty much silent except for the beginning and the end. And Job had to go through winter without God even talking to him. 
So if he can do it, because God's the same yesterday, today, and I'm going to preach over here, because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then if he did it then, he'll do it now. So let's just, let's just read, I'm not going to read the whole book of Job. I mean, I got a, a junk ton of verses that we're going to go through, and thank you, production team, because Lana's sweating bullets right now, because she's like, that's a lot of verses. Yeah, it's a lot of verses, but I want you to know this ain't my opinion. This is the word of God, because my opinion means nothing. Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Can we just look at this? There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. Pause. That's my goal, man, but I ain't there. I want to be there. I want God to look down on me and be like, that's, that's my dude. Complete integrity. Blameless. Dwayne's already there. I'm working to get there. <laughs> he was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons, three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. Nice job, Job. You handled it. You got your life in order. The book starts out with the character of this man who was blameless and upright. He was righteous. He feared God. He shunned the evil, which is, I mean, praise the Lord. He was so serious about his relationship with God that he offered daily sacrifices for his kids. I mean, let me, let me talk over here. You guys want to sacrifice your kids. <laughs> this dude offered sacrifices for his kids. You got me? I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand where this dude was at. Let, let, me, let me fast forward. If he had a spiritual winter, why not me? Why not you? Blameless righteous, shunned evil, offered sacrifices for his kids to keep his kids on the right path. And you all know the story. I mean, I ain't reinventing the wheel here. But. Verse 5 said, when the, these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job, Job excuse me, would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning, offer a burnt a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps, my dude's proactive is what, perhaps, I mean, they might not have jacked it up, but if they did, this, this ain't a parenting class, but boy, I could talk about that for a long time. Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Reg don't, don't breeze by some of these words. Regular practice. And God blessed him and gives him a great life. The amount of blessing that he receives is in direct proportion to the amount of obedience that Job offers. 
Somebody say amen. The amount of blessing he receives is in direct proportion of his obedience that he offers. But we know winners coming in this story. And us is going to be a us is going to be a a place where bad things happen to good people. Uh, specifically Job and his wife, obviously. But it 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 it, it can't be avoided. We 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 can't pretend that this is just historical data. This is a real story. It causes confusion. Um, it comes without warning. It comes without explanation. It just like bam. There it is. And we're we're shifted from the scene at ground level where Job is a great dude. Uh, in 2007, I preached out of this book, and I've not touched it. I mean, I've alluded to it, but I've not preached out of it since then. Um, but what always intrigued me was that it went from a ground-level view to a balcony-level view, where you got Job, you got his family, you got how awesome he is, everything that he did, and then it kind of switches gears, and then there's this dispute between God and Satan. Um, and Satan is allowed to wreak havoc on the life of Job. Now, you're, you're sitting there like you understand that. You don't understand that. I don't understand that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting God to show up, <laughs> rip his shirt apart, and there's a big S on his chest, and he's like, you will not, you will not mess with Job. No, he clearly messed with Job. No, he, he, he upset his life completely. Now, if, if you're a student of the Bible, you, you know how this ends. You know that everything's cool, but um, let, let's look at verse 6 through 12. Again, a lot of verses here. Um, One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Can you just, come, hold up. No, listen. I put myself in the story. You, I want you to put yourself in the story. So you've got God up here going, that's that red dude right there? Hey, that's the Wayne Grant. That's the greatest dude that's ever lived on this planet. And Satan's like, what's up? So God and Satan are having this encounter where he, Satan is trying to mess up God's plan. Now, God's going to protect Job, don't misunderstand. And God's going to protect you. God's going to protect me. But it doesn't mean there won't be a testing of your faith. And to me, that's a gigantic deal. I want to pass those tests. Every time I want to pass those tests. Do I? Probably not. But I want to. 
So he, he, he says, uh, again, uh, verse 6, um, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, meaning God and his angels. But then Satan pops in. The accuser, Satan, came with them. Where, are you, where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord. Are you, I, this is not a boring book. This is not a boring book. No, this is, this is Marvel on 10, is what this is. I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on, Satan said. Wait. <laughs> then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? This is how proud God was. Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. In other words, he only serves you because he's got a gazillion animals and his family's on point. Hmm. Satan replied, yes, but Job... Has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is, exclamation point. But reach out and take everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your faith, to your face. All right, God says, you may test him. Uh, let me step away from the book right now and say, not fair, God. Yeah, not cool at all. But 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 how will we know the level of our faith if we're not tested with it? Yeah. All right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, "Do whatever you want with everything he possesses. Don't harm him physically." So Satan left the Lord's presence. You 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 know, you know he left going, "All right. Yeah, I won this one." Yeah, we know he doesn't. But interestingly, we're made privy to the scene. But the one who would be the most affected, and that would be Job, um, he is not made privy to the scene. Yeah, 100% clueless, Tom. You're right. Yeah, he's like, what is happening right now? One day I get up and I got it made. And before the sun goes down, my life is upside down. Some of you know what I'm talking about. All he can see is what's going on in the natural. Verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the... Oh, this is where it's going to get like super dark. So just hang on for just a second. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with the news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkers, donkeys excuse me, feeding beside them when the Sabians raided us and they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands, I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Strike one. While he was still speaking, so while this guy is telling Job this, like the conversation's going on, while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God's fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the... It wasn't the fire of God. It wasn't the fire of God. But because Job was a righteous man, they blamed God. 
I've blamed God um, inappropriately, actually, more times than I want to admit. It wasn't God. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, verse 17, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in the oldest brother's home. Suddenly, pay attention to this, suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides and the house collapsed and all your children are dead. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell. He grieves, he worships, he falls to the ground. He's trying to stay in it. He's trying to stay focused. He's trying to stay blameless. He's trying to stay righteous. He's trying, he's trying to get a, to, to, to void of the sin in his life. And your Bible says this in verse 20 through 22. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, and he shaved his head. He shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my, brother, my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord in all of this. Job did not sin by blaming God. What an example. Um, I want to be there. But then the scene changes back to the balcony in our text. Um, it almost appears like it's some kind of weird wager between God and Satan. Like, okay, well, I'll call that and I'll raise you. I'll raise you all of his livestock. And then I'm going to raise you his children. We know that's not what it is. Um, Job's family weren't pawns uh, in a weird game of divine chess. The, the key question from the balcony is the key question of the whole book of Job, and our lives come into play here where he says, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. The New King James says, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan is letting God know that he believes that Job worships him and is devoted to him because he gets something from it. You think he loves you, but he loves your stuff. Yeah. The question for us this morning is, can you hold on to God in the middle of your winter when you can't see him? Can you do as Job did? Praise the Lord anyway. And I'm not wagging my finger at you. I'm just asking. 
I'm asking you to join me on the journey of trying to do better at that. So then Job gets hit with another uh, icy blast of spiritual winter of chapter 2, verse 7 says, So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boys, boils from head to foot. Seriously? From head to foot. Now, uh, notice the subtle difference in Job's response. He doesn't fall to the ground and doesn't just worship him right off the bat. He doesn't say, well, praise the Lord anyway. He does this. In verse 8, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Yeah, a little different response. Um, enough had become enough. And he wasn't sure what to do with it. He doesn't curse God as his wife suggests in verse 9 of chapter 2. But notice what he does say in verse 10, responding to his wife. When his wife said, curse God and die. And I could talk about that for a month of Sundays because, I, listen, Miss Kim, she only wants me to be well and right and She'll do whatever that takes. I'm not judging Job's wife. I think, it's a, I think it's a difficult position to be in when your spouse is going through something. Somebody. Verse 10, he said, you talk like a foolish woman. Pause. Let me talk to the men for a second. Never, ever, 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 ever. Say that to your wife. Been married, been married 42 years. Ne never ever say that to your wife or you're out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're so gone. You're living in a van down by the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Thank you. Thank you for... Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. And his first response... It says that in this, Job did not sin. Now there's a qualification, and I know, I, I, I nitpick, I get it, and I'm, I can get too finite in these things. But in the first time, he just said he didn't sin. This time, he said, the Bible says that he didn't sin in what he said. Um, in his heart, he struggled but he held his tongue because there's life and death in our tongue. And Job's like, you know what? I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is I even a thing in my life. I've lost everything. But you know what? I got to nip it, as my dad would say. I got to just... Because I can cause things to perpetuate to perpetuate with the words I say. Yeah, there's a lesson there for us, I think. Um, he, he was beginning to feel the effects of winter to, to the nth degree, and the wind chill was getting ready to drop again. Friends who want to sympathize, are you <laughs> wanted to show up and give him comfort. Can I say they were horrible at this? 
I don't know if you've ever read the book of Job. If you haven't, read it. It can get a little dry at times just because there's a whole lot of dialogue in there between the friends. But the friends were kind of punks. Can I say that? Can I say that, boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the friends were kind of punks. Um, Verse 11 in chapter 2 says this, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Yeah, well, if you've read the book, they did not. A, a, a different translations say sympathize, comfort, mourn. Literally translated in the Hebrew, in the orig- I'm not a Hebrew scholar, don't, but I study a lot. The, the original translation is shaking of the head. If I'm talking to somebody, they're talking to me, and they're like, yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm being uh, encouraged, empowered, affirmed. I'm like, you are so disappointed in me right now. Yes? That's what this means. Verse 13 Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. They sat speechless, and then when they did open their mouth, yikes. They wept with him for one solid week. And this is part of Jewish custom, if you've ever heard of it. It's called sitting shiva, where you, it means sitting seven where you just sit with someone who has had a great loss, and you just look. It's the Old Testament example of what Paul said in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Not not find an explanation, not try to get to the bottom of it, not reminding them that everything's going to be okay, because at the moment, everything's not okay. Uh, I've, 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 I've said this many times. I'll say it again. Um, when I was, I had the honor and the blessing to officiate my mother and my father's funeral. And I would stand at the head of the casket as people would come by. You know how it works. I, I hate, I hate it. I hate the whole thing. But they would come by and it's like, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, go sit down. Go sit down or I'm going to punch you in the throat. In the name of Jesus. Right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, love, love tap. God bless you. Mm. I'm not a violent person. I would never punch someone in the throat that I, I mean, I don't plan to do it today. Let me put it there. But instead of saying everything's going to be okay, how about, hey, you're in the middle of winter. Here's, what, here's my deal. Stop telling me it's cold outside. I'm freezing. So if you can't get on board with what I'm dealing with, just walk on. Just walk on. And maybe you're here today and you need to tell somebody to walk on. Listen, my glass is half full. If you know me, you know I'm a positive dude, man. I really, really am. But but ministry is one thing. And sometimes ministry involves just getting on board of what someone's going through. Um, you just saying that everything's good when everything's not good uh, is counterproductive. Can I say that? 
It's spiritually counterproductive. You're like, am I in counseling session or I'm in church right now? Um, both. Eventually, these cats start to talk and they blow it. Their silence was brilliant. I wish they'd have stayed with it. But I, I know that so many of us are so desperate for friendship and relationships um, that we sacrifice what we need to be listening to for what makes us feel good. Yeah. After seven days, uh, Job begins to speak, and we wait to hear him say, God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, because we know that's coming, but, and he said it, but if he says this, it's a pretty short book. He doesn't say that. In fact, verse 1 of chapter 3 says, At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. Do you see a downward progression here? I mean, um, he cursed the day of his birth. And then in verses 2 through 7, we won't read it. He paints a pretty grim picture. He wants his birthday completely removed from the calendar. He's like, pretend I never existed. Uh, in other words, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not saying he was suicidal. What I'm saying is, is he's like, you know what? I don't know why this happened. I don't know what to do with it. So just, just, Forget I even existed. He cursed the day of his birth. He asked over and over again, is anybody out there? He's in a spiritual winter and life is not good. And for the next 28 chapters, Job pours out bitterness, confusion, sorrow, and anger towards a God that was always there, but he didn't understand. If we didn't know any better, we'd think Job was complaining. He was not complaining, but what he's offering to God is real talk about how he feels. And I want to encourage you today to have real talk to God about how you feel. Because in the winter books of the Bible, that's what people do. This is the paradox of the Psalms. I know I've already addressed it. There are Psalms of thanksgiving, Psalms of wisdom, Psalms of exaltation, but there's Psalms of lament. Example, Psalm 44. Can, can, will you just, you have butchered us like sheep. Uh, God gets blamed for a whole lot of stuff. You have butchered us like sheep and scattered us among the nations. You sold your precious people for a pittance, making nothing on the sale. That's kind of harsh. I mean, I ain't going to lie. I mean, God didn't deserve that. But as I've read the book of Psalms many times, Israel devoted more Psalms to lamenting than any other single category that you could worship, praise, thanksgiving, lamenting was kind of where it was at for them. And I know David wrote the majority of them. Other authors wrote it. But fact is, Christianity is the only religion, religion where lamenting is allowed in your prayers.
look, I'm, let me, let me, let me, let me talk. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to let you know it's okay. Tell God how you feel, man. Tell, tell God you ain't happy with A, B, and C, but then nip it and listen to God tell you X, Y, and Z. Christianity, our faith is the only faith that allows us to approach God in a very real, bold, your, your Bible says we can approach his throne in boldness, not arrogance, don't, don't misunderstand, but in boldness, and the Holy Spirit then will take what it is we're trying to say, which I don't do, I, I can get just like frustrated when I'm talking to God, and then the Holy Spirit takes it and he presents it. That should make somebody feel good today. That should make somebody feel good. You crushed and made us a haunt for jackals, Psalm 44, 19. You crushed us and made us a haunt for jackals, covered us over with deep darkness. Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? My soul is in anguish. How long, O oh Lord? How long? Well, the reason we have the freedom to lament in our prayers is because we serve the only God who cares about us in our pain. He cares enough and can be expected to do something about it. So you approach him with expectation, but you can certainly tell him how you feel. Now, don't be, don't be driven by your feelings. I, I'm always first to say that. You need to be driven spiritually by the Holy Spirit of the living God. But, but, but your, your feelings are your feelings, and you can tell God how you're feeling. This is why we need to be honest. It's not wallowing in self-pity. It's not wallowing in martyrdom. Rather, it's opening ourselves up to God and giving him another access because he hears us and makes himself available to us. Now, at this point in Job's winter, he's convinced that God's left him and he wants his birthday removed. He just wants to be out of it. He's like, just take me home now, God. I'm out. And then um, he actually wants to face God one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we will lose 100% of the time. But he did have some valid questions. And by the way, um, I don't have it with me right now, but I, I did a study on how many times Job asked questions. God answered none of it. None of it. Well, he did, but he answered it with a question. Can we get to that? Job 23, verse 3 and 4. Uh, you can go there if you would like. Um, again, the, the verses will be behind me. But Job 23, verse 3 and 4 says this. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Oh, yeah, you would. Uh, be careful what you ask for. Job got his wish, verse 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered, answered excuse me, Job from the whirlwind. So in my Bible, um, you can't see this, but I have 
32 questions up to this point that Job asked. I'm sorry, 32 questions that God returned to Job's question. So Job responded, God responded to Job's, where are you at, God, with 32 questions. Yeah, that can make it tough. Um, what do you think that moment was like when the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind? Basically, God showed up in a tornado, a storm. Um, let, 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 me, let me talk to you scholars over here. What, what was it that took his family away? Anybody know? Say it. A whirlwind. So God chooses to show... The very thing that brought him the most pain, God chooses to show up in that and speak to Job through that. I'll read it again because you're looking at me like I have a different Bible than you. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Verse 19 of chapter 1 said, suddenly a powerful wind swept through the wilderness and hit the house on all sides, and the house collapsed, and the children are dead, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. <laughs> so in the very thing that caused him the most pain, Job show, or God shows up to speak to Job through it. What, what, what am I saying? I'm, I'm, I'm saying don't underestimate what you're going through that God can speak to you through it if you allow him. But if you've got a front, if, you've got, if you're wearing the mask, if, if you're coming to him like, well, everything's awesome, when everything's not awesome, I'm not saying don't praise him. You can get to that. You can even start with that. He's worthy. But don't underestimate what he can do through what it is you're going through. Job asks, is anybody out there? And when God gets around to showing up, he never answers Job's question. Uh, as I said, he answers his questions with questions. And it, it kind of, it almost looks a little unfair. But in the middle of Job's winter, he's trying to reveal to Job. God's trying to reveal to Job who he really is. He replies uh, with, with just things that are full of references to his goodness and provision. Let's talk about a couple of them. Verse 25 through 27 of chapter 38 says, Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out a path for the lightning? Who made the rain fall on barren land and desert where no one even lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? And we blow by this because it's like, yo, let's go, God, let's go. But for Job's readers, it was a mouthful because life in Israel depended on rainfall. And what he's saying here is that he, he made rainfall where no one even lived because he was preparing an answer before the problem even existed. Uh, uh, he created water, then he created the fish. 
He creates the answer before the, the solution is in place before the problem ever exists. We just don't know it because we're confronted with the, with the winter season. Are you kidding me? Is this happening right now? Yeah, God already knew it and God allowed it. And he's got a solution available. You just got to get on it. Yeah, yeah. Because he is gratuitous and he is good. We sung about it. He is abundantly, uncontrollably generous. He's irrationally loving. We sung about it. Um, he's good to people for no reason whatsoever. He's good to people and they don't even know that he's good to them until they get to the part where they need his goodness. Yeah, um, he, he gives because he loves to give and he loves because he can't help himself <laughs> because, well, God is love. He placed those life-giving streams of water in places <laughs> where people aren't even living just in case some might pass by. And you're passing through your winter season, maybe. If not now, you might be. I, I hope not, but. And he's already prepared a way. Look what else God chooses to use as a description of his goodness. He gives us some animals. And you, you, uh, if you know me at all, you know I'm, I'm that guy, right? I mean, I, I, um, we can't. Kim can't even have a lot of flowers because I feed the deer and they come into my yard and they just eat all of her. <laughs> but, but would you look at this? There's no apparent reason for these creatures he's getting ready to tell us about. Don't raise your hand. You ever feel like you're not sure why you're here? Yeah, well, God's got a... It might be just for His glory. Oh, I'm certain it's just for His glory. It's for His pleasure. That's it. You know, I'm not saying you don't have a purpose. What I'm saying is, is if you're not understanding, just get on board with His will. Oh, look at this. Look. Uh, chapter 39, verse 13, the ostrich flaps her wings grandly. Uh, the NIV says, joyfully, but they are no match for the feathers of the stork. Why did God bring up an ostrich? Have you ever seen an ostrich run? run? Do, 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 do. I mean, it's the, now they are powerful, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're fast and they're powerful, but it's like they flap their wings grandly. Listen, the ostrich is goofy. Um, like they think they're getting off the ground, and they are not. But, but, but then, you got to love them. Got to love them for the effort. But then verse 14 says, And she lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting it be warmed in the dust. In other words, literally translated, she lays her eggs, and she doesn't even remember where she lays them. Verse 17, for God has deprived her of wisdom. He has given her no understanding, but yet brings it up in the scriptures. You, you, you know you might feel like you ain't got a purpose and a point. Oh, listen. <laughs> Don't underestimate who you are, man, because God designed you exactly how he designed you, whatever it is. I'll say it again. Get on it. 
she's not the brightest creature in the world, that ostrich. Uh, but when she runs, she makes the horse and rider stand in awe, verse 18. But whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the swiftest horse with its rider. Yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. So you go on and pass up everybody that's up here. Amen. You go ahead. You do what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it. And we'll do what we're supposed to do up here. But you do what you got to do. You do what God called you to do. Now, I, I mean, I'd be a little disappointed if you ran by me and laughed at me. Ain't as fast as I used to be, but hey, I'll get there. Um, and then he goes on. Your Bible probably says, consider the behemoth. Can I tell you that messed with me for years? What's a behemoth? I've not used that in a, sense, a sentence in decades. Scholars believe it's either the hippo or the elephant. Regardless, not a whole lot of use for these creatures. In, in our world. I said in our world. God, however, says this in chapter 40, verse 16 through 18. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are, bond, are bars of iron. Verse 24, no one can catch it off guard and put a ring in its nose and lead it away. You're like, Jeff, I'm not, I'm not sure why you're bringing up these animals. I'm bringing up these animals to let you know that you have a point and purpose whether you are holding a title or not. And what God was trying to explain to Job is that, look, if I care about this, if I care about the goofy ostrich and the, the behemoth, I care about you. And you're not out of my sight. And I will, I will love you I will make you better as a result of it. And we're going to get there real quickly because I'm about done. But God goes on to take pleasure. And I'm just, I just named a couple things. The oxen that doesn't plow. In fact, back in the day, if an oxen didn't plow, because they were tools. But God said, I take pleasure in the oxen that doesn't plow. He said, I take pleasure in the donkey that won't be tamed. He said, I take pleasure in the mountain ghosts that do their birthing in secret where no one can even see what they've accomplished. No, no, listen. It's okay that no one sees what you do. In fact, you might have the greatest role in the body Dayton in doing what no one even knows you do. And I could go down a list of people that work so hard behind the scenes. This is easy. Pastor Dwayne will tell you, this, this is what we do. And I know we're on a stage and it's a little elevated. I'm glad it's elevated or you wouldn't even be able to see me. I'm a short guy. But, but we, we'll tell you that this, this is easy. It's the stuff that happens up until one of us take the stage and present the word of God. It's all the stuff, production team, children's ministry, first impressions. I know you understand what I'm saying, but I want you to understand that he, he gave credit to the mountain goats 
that birthed their young in a secret place and no one even seen them. That's so important. Uh, Job never really finds out about the conversation in the balcony level. Um, winter came and he never knows why. Um, but once he's through it, he finds out something better. He finds out who God is. Verse 5 of chapter 42 says this. And I'm reading it slow. I'm not, be, I'm not questioning your intelligence, but I want you to feel the weight of this. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Wow. Where, where did he see God? Where, where did he see God? Well, he saw God at his kid's funeral. He saw God on the ash heap. Um, see, 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 God understands because he, like Job, was torn with grief when he gave his son. Uh, your Bible says he's known as the man of sorrows. So God understood what it meant to lose your son. Verse 5 of chapter 42 says... I heard only, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Now, what happens when you endure your winter? Most, most of the last chapter in the book of Job is kind of an epilogue, if you will, if, you're, if you read books. Um, God scolds Job's friends, so thank you, God, for that. Um, he tells Job that if he'll pray for them, that he will forgive his friends for being weird. Uh, we're, we're told that Job got his stuff back multiplied. Man, I, I'm, I'm just going to read these verses. Uh, verse 12, 42, verse 12. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning, for now he had 14,000 sheep. Uh, by the way, everything's kind of doubled up here. 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Then in the final words, I, I see a side of God that I had kind of missed before. He also gave him more children. He also, verse 13, gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. Yeah, okay, PJ, we, we've read the book. We get it. But, but I want you to notice we're given the names of the daughters but not the sons. I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. We don't need to know this. Yeah, kind of do. We kind of do because it was unprecedented and unheard of in um, Hebrew genealogies. And what Job is doing right here, he's throwing caution to the wind. And he's like, I'm going to do something I ain't never done before because God done showed up in my life. God done showed up in my life. I was at the bottom, and now he's blessed me double what I had. And so you know what? I'm going to take a risk. He steps out of his comfort zone, and he names his daughters this. Uh, verse 14, he named his first daughter Jemima, the second Keziah, the third Karen Hapush, 
And even more strange are the meanings of the names because Hebrew names are taken very seriously, and I know you know this. The names of Job's girls are all words that describe beauty. In other words, you've got to hear. In other words, he took the cards he was dealt, right? He took the, the winter season of his life. And then when God gave him a second chance, He's like, we're just going all in. We're just going all in right now. The first daughter, Jemima, means dove. It means handsome as the day, pretty as a dove. The second daughter, Keziah, it's translated cinnamon. It's a precious spice back in the day. He, he, he let me, let me. He valued what he had to a degree that he didn't value it before the winter season. Are you? And so he said, you know what? I ain't going to make them second-class citizens anymore. I'm elevating them up. Man, to me it's such a big deal. And then Job does something absolutely crazy. For the day. And that's this. He gives his girls an inheritance. No. No, 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 no. See, see, see. When this was written, uh, you, you, you told the girls who they were marrying and they got their inheritance. Yeah, well, Job's like, not anymore. Not anymore. Because I've been to the bottom. And now you know what I'm doing? I'm celebrating everyone right now. And your Bible says this in verse 15 of 42. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. I'm, I'm, you, you, you go to Israel right now, not going to happen. Culturally speaking, it's not going to happen. So why are we told these things? Because after his winter, he had a new revelation of God and how God valued him, so he valued others. And he now delights in giving attention to the least among him. In that day, it was his daughters. I mean, I'm I'm not being unkind. That's just the way the culture was. Obviously, we don't feel like that today here in westernized America, but to the least worthy that he felt, to the least strategic, to the least that could help him. He's like, it doesn't even matter. We're all equal. We're all on the same plane. And he said, if my winter season taught me nothing, it taught me that God is good and God cares about me. And he restored everything he took times and now I'm going to do the same. So, so, so have you ever asked yourself, why did God save you? Why did, why, did God, why did God go down into the pit and bring you out? So that you can help bring somebody else out of the pit and bring them out. Uh, otherwise, Otherwise, as soon as you said yes to Jesus, he'd have took you home. Okay, you're good. 
You, you said the magic prayer. Let's go. Woo. And that's not how it works. We have work to do on this earth for our king. Amen. Amen. Uh, he is gratuitously good. He's uncontrollably, uncontrollably generous. And he is irrationally loving. And I want to do the same. He gives for no reason at all. So I'll ask the question again. Can we hold on to God and faith and the love of God even in the dead of our winter? And you might not even be experiencing that right now. You might not. I hope you're not. <laughs> but if you are, I, I, hope, I hope this quick study of this book let you understand he ain't forgot about you. Did he allow it? Uh-huh. Because nothing passes through his hands that he doesn't allow. And you might be going into one you don't even know about. Job didn't wake up that morning thinking, man, I'm going to lose everything today. No. And isn't that kind of how bad news works? I use the term loosely, but bad news, where, where, where something happens, your Bible said, we read it, that while they were still speaking, somebody else came up, and it was like, blam, so it's like, car breaks down, oh man, hot water heater goes out, oh man, bad doctor report, oh man, trouble in my relationship, and it's like, bam, 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 bam. He's still there. I just, I don't, I don't know, man. When, when, you, when you leave here and you feel the, the air is a little cooler, and in the weeks ahead it's going to even get more cool, um, just, just understand that your, your winter season is not surprising God. Just take the opportunity to be honest with him. Tell him how you feel. Um, don't, don't expect a bunch of answers to your why questions. If he does, that's awesome. But if he doesn't, it doesn't change who he is. So that's the story of Job. Let's talk about your story. Give me 30 seconds. Um, if you don't know this God we're talking about, uh, two things. One, he's here, and he's available. And two, he's got his arms open wide. So if you just bow your head, I want to pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this story of Job, this crazy story of Job. Uh, God, you had me lost in this story last couple of weeks, and I just thank you for it. Lord, I ask you to just speak to my friends, my family that are here. Maybe you're here and you're in a winter season. If that's you and, and the, the, the scripture not what I said, but the scripture was just a reminder that you got to keep focused on 
on God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. I'm not coming to you. I'm not saying nothing to you. I just want to pray with you. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Who else? Father, we thank you. And God, we just come to you and say, why not me? (laughs) I mean, Job was blameless. I am not. But Lord, we ask you to help us stay focused on you while we go through these times. For your glory and for the kingdom. We love you. We need you. And God, we know when we, when we pray and tell you exactly how we feel, you are going to hear it. You're going to receive it. And you will not judge us for it. We approach you humbly but boldly. May we see you in the middle of everything. May we remember the ostrich (laughs) and the hippo. That we would just know if you care about those things, you care about us. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here and your relationship with Jesus is fractured. There's some, uh, you know, your fault. My fault, nobody's fault, doesn't matter. We're not, we're not here passing judgment. We're here to say uh, Jesus is waiting on you to restore that relationship with him. And if you're here and that's what you know you came here to need to do, I'm just asking you to just own that this morning. Just own it. Look, Jeff, I, 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 need, I, need, I need my relationship with God just shored up, man. I'm not sure where I'm at right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. It's all good. I'm not coming back to you. I'm not coming to your house. You'll get no literature from us. And let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for your word. I thank you that everyone in here is claiming salvation. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for a place where we can come, a safe place where we can come and worship you and open your word and talk about the things of God. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for your patience, for your attention. Uh, my wife's already running out. I'm not sure what's happening right there, but uh, okay. Ben, can you stop her and find out what's up? Uh, <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Wednesday night, deep in, 7 o'clock on Facebook, you need to sign in and you need to watch it. I think you on the hook this week? Pastor Dwayne's on the hook this week in a good way. That sounded horrible. Uh uh, uh, you know what? Otherwise, I might have to step in. I don't know. We might do it together. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know. I'm not allowed to do anything anymore. I, I'm, say, I'm, saying, I'm saying tune in and hear what this man has for you. We love you. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Have a great week. See you.